All right, so we are in Habakkuk chapter 3. We're going to look at the first two verses, and then we're going to skip down to verses 17 and 19. I'll call these kind of the bookends of chapter 3. The bulk of chapter 3 is, it's a song uh, that the people of God are singing, a beautiful song from Habakkuk, and the middle part, uh, kind of the meat of the text, deals with remembering uh, the Lord's work and intervention on behalf of his people in Israel uh, and so we're going to read the bookends of that at the beginning and just kind of work through the text uh, this morning. So verses 1 to 2 and then 17 to 19, God's word says this, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shagonwath. O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear in the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Verse 17 Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Bad news, right? All of that's bad news. What does Habakkuk say? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. This is the word of the Lord. There's a remarkable story told about six, seven hundred years after the prophet Habakkuk was written in the Gospels. It speaks of a time when Jesus got in a boat and his disciples followed. And in the midst of the journey, a great storm came about. They were caught in a storm. But Jesus was asleep in the boat. The disciples panicked, right? They woke Jesus and they called on him to save them. Would you save us, God? Jesus responded. He rebuked the winds and calmed the seas. And then he did this. He corrected their little faith, he called it. He corrected their little faith. This story came to mind as, as a draw to a conclusion in the prophet Habakkuk. This uh, book in particular has been incredibly encouraging and edifying to me, as strange as that may be, as it's a really heavy, heavy text, but it has helped me personally just grow in my faith, and I've been so thankful for these four weeks that we've spent in uh, this little book uh, in the prophets. And it must feel to Habakkuk as he cried out to God and heard the response of the Lord to him and then questioned God and waited on the Lord, it must feel to Habakkuk as if he too is in a great storm. And the Lord is unaware, asleep, and he cries out in alarm. Now, we've learned a great deal over the past few weeks about faith. That's been kind of the key driver of this uh, Habakkuk 2.4, right? The righteous man shall live by his faith. So we've grown in our faith, hopefully. And today we draw to a close, seeking a few final lessons on faith from Habakkuk, which brings us to our main idea. Our main idea is this, healthy faith grows as a result of trial. Healthy faith grows as a result of trial. Now we've identified that the author of Hebrews actually later in the New Testament identifies faith as as confidence or trust in the wonderful plan of God. Okay, And and our perception of that plan doesn't really matter. It's always wonderful and glorious because it brings God glory, even when we perceive it as positive or perhaps negative in our life. Perhaps this, this is the meat of our journey. How This is the question we ask. How are we going to react when things 
get difficult, when, when strife comes into life, when there's grief and pain and hurting, when there's questions that go uh, seemingly unanswered. I was encouraged greatly uh, by, by one of our widows when her beloved went home to the Lord unexpectedly. She told me this. I'll never forget these words. She said, I will not lose my faith. Powerful words. One overarching aspect of Habakkuk's journey that, that's been insightful is, is the conversational approach to this book. He, he speaks with the Lord. He asks the Lord, and the Lord responds. Uh, later, Jesus would encourage his followers to ask and seek the Lord. If you remember in Matthew 7, 7 to 8, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Uh, Habakkuk has modeled for us a healthy faith that asks and seeks after the Lord. That's the purpose of this prophecy. You see his conversational approach to Habakkuk's life. Although Habakkuk, he didn't like the answer that he received initially. He's mindful, though, of this, of God's past faithfulness which is a sure indicator. I want you to hear this. He's reminded of God's past faithfulness, which is a sure indicator of the Lord's future trustworthiness, that he can trust God, that he can trust the faithfulness of God. In Habakkuk, we're also reminded that that his people, that is the Lord's people, are not excused from the Lord's refining and purifying fire. God is doing this. He's pruning our dead tree limbs so that we may blossom once again. He's taking his surgical scalpel and and is stripping and cutting away at the unhealthy aspects of our lives. And it's painful, but it's because God loves you that he does these things. One theologian summarized Habakkuk in this manner. His name's James Buckner. He says, believing in a warrior creator, it's a title that he gives God in Habakkuk. A warrior creator has two possible outcomes. He says this, God can defeat your enemies. So that's the desire of Habakkuk, that God can defeat your enemies. Or, hear this, he can defeat you. He can bring you low. If we believe that God will only defeat our enemies, we may not be ready for a Messiah like Jesus. In trial, we're reminded that God is also defeating us. What does this mean? Like, what are you, God's beating us up. What is he doing? He's helping us to do this. Jesus commanded us, to die to ourselves. To those areas that must be refined and renewed. He's helping us to grow in faith and trust of His plan to bring about, as Paul promised, the good of those who are called according to His purpose. The cross of Christ, although it came hundreds of years after Habakkuk, is a certain reminder of of God's defeat of His enemies through the pain and suffering of His own perfect Son. And on, so we're on this side of the cross. Habakkuk was on the other side of the cross. Now we're on this side of the cross. We are even more hopeful, I would assert, than Habakkuk. Even more certain of the faithfulness of God. The backdrop of, of this prayer of Habakkuk is the faithfulness of God to Israel as remembered in, in these events, the deliverance in the Exodus event, okay, when they were brought out of uh, enslavement from Egypt and their taking of the promised land. Our backdrop, so Christian, now our backdrop is this. It's the faithfulness of God and bringing His redemptive plan to fruition through deliverance under this, under the cross of Jesus. 
and our sure deliverance to the land of promise, which is eternal life with our Savior. And this is proven through what? Through his raising from the dead, through his resurrection. And so we're going to look at five ways we see Habakkuk growing in his faith. Five ways. One, we see a faith that is reverent. A faith that is reverent. I'm going to say something that might not sit well with some of you. I think we've lost a sense of reverence and awe of the Lord. I'm thankful for passages such as Hebrews 4.16, which reminds us that we can boldly approach the throne of God. But that does not mean that we lose a mindfulness of this, of who we are in position to God. God is majestic and glorious and high and lifted up. He's perfect. He's righteous. He created the universe through his spoken words from nothing. In his presence, we, we would fall on his face, on our face reverently. Habakkuk 3 2, the beginning part, and then we'll skip to verses 5 to 6. 5 and 6 is going to show us how big God is. This is what Habakkuk says O Lord, I've heard the report of you. And your work, O oh Lord, hear these, these three words here. Do I fear? Do you see the reverence of Habakkuk to the Lord? He fears the Lord. Before, it says this now, before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. Think how big God is that he can measure the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. God is massive. Later in the passage, Habakkuk will speak uh, in verse 16, he'll speak of his body trembling as he thinks upon the justice of God. The faithful must have reverence to the Lord. Do we, so we ask these questions. Do we understand our position in the face of His holiness? Do we have a healthy fear of God? I mean, I'm always in awe. One of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture is Isaiah chapter 6, the beginning part there. When Isaiah is given this vision, he's brought into the throne room of God, and the posture of Isaiah when confronted with the Lord's holiness and majesty and his filling with this, this throne room, with his glory, he's struck with awe, and he cries out these words, Woe is me! Do we truly understand the majesty, glory, and holiness of God? If so, we, we would fall on our face before His throne and worship Him. Growing faith, hear this, growing faith is reverent toward the Lord. It's a healthy fear of God. We need to recover a healthy fear of God among our people. Number two, we see in Habakkuk faith that is striving to be reinvigorated, to be revived renewed growing faith seeks to be reinvigorated renewed strengthened built up remember again that the words of habakkuk he said oh lord i've heard the report of you and your work oh lord do i fear and then he says this about the second part of verse two in the midst of the years he uses this word revive it the trials of habakkuk's life and the lord's dealing with his People have not driven Habakkuk away. They've not sent him into the dark, questioning and deconstructing. Rather, they have grown his faith in the Lord. And they've brought Habakkuk to call upon God to revive 
his people, family. Who wants to see revival among the people of God? I do. Who wants to see revival across this nation and spreading around the globe? I want you to notice, where does revival begin? We just want to come out and say, God, revive everything. Fix it. Where does revival begin? It began with Habakkuk back in chapter 1, having a conversation with the Lord. What's another word that we have for conversing and calling upon God? What is it? Prayer. Began with You don't see him say, revive it, back in chapter 1. He says, how long, O Lord? Revival begins with prayer. Our own personal revival and corporate revival. We desire a corporate revival. You're like, like Wall Street corporate? What are you talking about? When I say corporate, I'm meaning the body of Christ. This is the corporate body of Christ. When we come together, a group of people gathered together, personal and corporate revival does not begin with programs or schemes or systems or structures. It begins with a movement of prayer among the people of God. Habakkuk's prayer was one calling. This is what his prayer was like. He was calling on the Lord to purify his people, to not let injustice go on. What, what type of prayer? It was almost a prayer of confession. Lord, look at our sin. Purify us. You want revival? It begins with us looking at ourselves and confessing our sins unto the Lord and calling on Him to purify us. That's a terrifying prayer. Because how did the Lord answer? He goes, okay, I'm going to purify you, but I'm going to do it through the Babylonians who are going to send you into exile, and life's going to be tough for decades. Habakkuk, would you clean up your people, O God? And then he says here, it's beautiful, revive it. Revive our faith. Bring it back to life. It reminds me, uh, David has a prayer of confession also in Psalm 51 after he sinned. And he says this in verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Hear this. And renew a right spirit within me. Who wants a renewal of their spirit? I do. Who wants to see the Spirit of God renewed among His people? I do. I want to see revival spread across this land. I want to see the church rise up and be salt and light on the face of the earth. You want to see a movement among the people of God, a revival of holiness and spiritual growth? I do. It doesn't begin with me. It begins with you. It begins with us personally falling reverently before the Lord, confessing our sins, and then calling upon the Lord, bring revival, revive it, revive my faith, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. Number three, we see a faith that is revealed. A faith that is revealed. Habakkuk's faith is known. We see it, it's documented right here. But here Habakkuk is crying out for God's revealing. He is making himself known through justice and mercy. It says this, the third part of verse 2, it says, in the midst of the years, he uses these words, make it known, reveal it. 
We call this revelation, a revelation from God, a revealing. That which is previously unknown is made known. I want you to take this away this morning. Growing faith seeks to know and understand God and His ways. Growing faith seeks to know and understand God and His ways. We seek after after His, His revelation, and the Lord is sure to provide Here's the be we have an advantage because of where we're at in history. The beauty of being alive at this point in time on this side of the cross is that we have so much access to the means that God has chosen to reveal himself. Do you know how he has chosen to reveal himself? Through his word. I know we want some sort of extreme answer. We want some sort of vision. We want some sort of crazy dream. God uses the ordinary means of this book for you to reveal Himself. Stop looking for God in the extremes and just look it for Him in the ordinary. Black and red words on a white page. My prayer for this church is that we would have a view of the Scriptures like the writer of Psalm 119, celebrating the Word of the Lord. He, he, he says the law, he's meaning Scripture, the words of God. He says this in verses 18 to 20, Open my eyes. Would we pray this together? Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law, out of your Word. I'm a sojourner on the earth, right? He's saying, I'm not home here. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing. Is your soul consumed with longing for the Word of God? With longing for your rules at all times. Growing faith seeks to understand and have the ways of the Lord made known and revealed to them. And family, it's revealed simply through the Word of God. Read the Word. It's beautiful. But nowadays, okay, we have these apps on our phones, and they're simply called the Bible app. You download it. If you don't like reading, you pick out your favorite translation of, of the Bible, and you hit a play button, and it reads it to you. You know what's awesome is for, for centuries, for hundreds of years, most of the earth was illiterate. And so the means that they heard the Word of God, or they understood the Word of God, was through someone reading it to them. So it's almost like we're being, we're so far in the future, we're being taken back in time that we can just listen to the Word of God all over again. Read it. Listen to it. Here's the last part. Discuss it. Talk about it. With other Christians, other members of the faith community. Fourthly, growing faith is a faith that remembers a faith that remembers. In the midst of difficulty and trying seasons of our journey in life, we must remember the faithfulness of God. Habakkuk recalls the deliverance of God's people. He says this, the last part of, of verse 2, he says, in wrath, what does he say? Remember mercy. 
God be merciful on us in this time. And then he remembers the times in the past where the Lord's been merciful to his people. It says, God came from Timon and the Holy One from Mount Paran. It's Selah. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand and there was there he veiled his power. It says, was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses, on your chariot of salvation, right? When he delivered his people, you stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows, Selah. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging water swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on the high. The sun, here's remembering back to the time when the Israelites are taking the promised land. The sun and moon stood still in their place. At the light of your arrows, as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear, you marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked. That should remind us of a, of a verse back in Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse 15, a promise to Eve. It says, you crushed the, the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck, Selah. You pierced with his own arrows at the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor and seek it. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. This is a big God that we worship. The images and illustrations that we draw from this prophecy is of the Lord's power, and they should be reminders to God's people in this time and to our time of God's deliverance and faithfulness to Israel. Now, what's beautiful is where we're at in time. Because for us, He's done an even greater work. He's done a work that should make everybody marvel at His his awesome mercy and grace. What's this greater work that He's done? It's the gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus. This great work that God has accomplished for us. We remember our deliverance. We remember His faithfulness. That even while we were His enemies, that He sent His Son to die for us. Jesus came in the flesh, the Son of God, to live perfectly in our place. Jesus went to the cross of shame where He was murdered for our sin. The wrath of God was poured out on Him. He shed His blood And he went into the grave. Jesus died. And on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. He resurrected family. He's alive. And he appeared to many. And he promised his disciples, he said, would you wait? Just wait. They were asking, like, when are you going to restore the kingdom? When are you going to make everything okay? Just wait a second. He said, you're going to receive when my Holy Spirit comes upon you. He promised greater works than these. Through His church mobilized, empowered by the Spirit, where did Jesus go? He went to heaven. He sits on His throne, ruling and reigning. Here's the beautiful thing. He's coming back. We're on that side of history. (laughs) 
Remember what Jesus has done for you already and what he's going to finish when he comes back. Remember him. Lastly, growing faith is a faith that rejoices. Where do we, now on this side of the cross especially, we can rejoice in the Lord because we've seen his awesome work already. The question is, do you continue to rejoice in the Lord though the world around you falls apart? Questions go unanswered. We remember his past faithfulness in the midst of seasons of trials and and grief and misunderstanding. And we also have to, as Habakkuk shows us here, we have to continue to not just be stagnant and still and sitting there and sulking, but it says that he rejoiced in the Lord. Verses 16 to 19. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet, I will wait quietly for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Then he launches into this beautiful song. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the Lord, and there be no herd in the stalls. Is that good news? No. But what is Habakkuk's posture and position to the Lord? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Can we say that together, family? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. When everything seems to be falling falling apart, we can look back and remember the faithfulness of God is a sure sign of His future faithfulness and trustworthiness. Remember when I was probably seven or eight, my family was uh, just kind of getting back into going to church. And that was the point where I was probably saved. I'm not one of those guys that doesn't have that like exact date and moment nailed down. I just, I was saved somewhere in that like fifth or sixth grade range. And I, I remember my mom was really a spiritual leader to me. And when we first started going back to church and, and our family was saved, she would frequent the Christian bookstore in our, our town that we were living in. And I, I took notice of something back in, this was, you know, early, early to mid nineties. Uh, Christians, they used to, many people would buy these little metal emblems. They were a fish. Remember the little fish emblem? And they'd stick them on the back of their car. But I noticed when we came up to the Christian bookstore that most of the cars with this little fish emblem on the back of them were kind of busted and messed up. And so I asked my mom, I was like, Hey, if like Christians, like we're, we're in Jesus and he should be providing for us and everything should be good and okay. And how come all the Christians cars are busted up with that little fish emblem on the back of it? Is she? Yeah. We're not going to go there, Sharon. (laughs) So this, this busted up, beat up car 
asked that question, and my mom taught me a lesson there. She goes, just because you have faith in Jesus doesn't mean that you're going to have a ton of money or the nicest car or the nicest house or everything's going to go okay all the time. That was a huge lesson for me. God refines us through fiery trials. When we prune a plant, it's, it's painful to that plant, but it's so that it, it can blossom. When someone has cancer, they have treatment to remove it. They, they go under the surgical knife to cut that out. That's a painful process. God, God's saving of us does not prevent us from the difficulty of life. You see, we, got, we have to come to the realization that the Lord is refining us also. He's bringing us through fiery trials so that we may be purified. And this is the purpose, so that we would be ready for the day of the Lord. And this is the goodness and greatness of God. It's truly the evidence of His love, the evidence of saving faith, that the Lord is willing to do this, that He's willing to discipline you, to test you, and to refine you. It shows His love. I want to read as I was kind of wrapping my thoughts up this morning, praying about this passage. The Lord brought to remembrance Philippians 4, chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. It's not in on the screen. If you want to turn your Bible, that's fine. I want to give you the context of, of this beautiful book. It's written by Paul. Paul, at this point, this is known as, as a prison epistle, a prison letter. Okay, what does that mean? Paul was in prison. Okay, and he, he wasn't in prison because he was out boosting cars or taking money or he, he murdered somebody or something like that. He was in prison because he was sharing the gospel. He was doing the Lord's work. He was in prison because he was faithful to God. And, and here in, and I believe the letter of Philippians is one of the most joyful books in all of Scripture. So with that as a backdrop, Paul's in prison for being obedient to the Lord. He writes these words, and this is, this is just going to be our wrap for Habakkuk, okay? Our wrap-up. I think it's so fitting. He says this. Listen to this. Rejoice in the Lord always. If that wasn't enough. Again, I will say rejoice. He's in prison, family. For obeying the Lord. He says this, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Hear this. Do not be anxious about anything. Do you find yourself when you're going through trials or you're not sure where that next income is going to come from to, to pay for the bills that you got hanging out there that you start getting what? Anxious. Paul says, do not be anxious what about anything. But in everything, here's this word again, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He said everything there. I love verse 7. I've prayed this for many of you. He says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Have you been there before? Like you're going through a trial in life and this overwhelming sense of peace, you should be anxious, you should be worried. But God gives you this peace 
which surpasses all understanding. He says this, which will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, in the gospel, in what he has done. And he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, what does he say? Think about these things, right? Remember, he says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. That's Paul. He's an example. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Family, I pray that for you this morning as you go through your trials and your struggle and your pain that God of peace will be with you. Amen.